All right. I'll get us going here. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Uh, you're on Why We Serve with Benjamin Lake. With you as always, me, Benjamin Lake. Um, we're back for round two with Dylan. Um, we talked last time with Dylan about um, his time, uh, kind of just the beginning of his career when he was a generator mechanic and that transition basically um, from generator mechanic, kind of get realizing, you know, what the Ray Army's like. And then he's like, you know, I want to go back to EOD uh, school and try to finish what I started. Um, Dylan, thanks for coming back, man. I know the schedule's been kind of crazy. Um, it's not. It's not like I'm doing anything right yeah. now. Um, yeah, he's de- Yeah, he's definitely not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, he's not busy. Um, no, thanks for coming. Uh, also, I want to. I want to say thank you for scribbling on my face on that profile picture. That made me look really cool. <laughs> yeah, what's good is no one will know your name as it's in the caption for the episode. You know. Uh, so we scribble out the <laughs> pictures. I just knew the game. The only reason I did that was because I knew you told me about the game a while back, uh, with the pictures and stuff. So that's why I did that. I, I give two shits, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you didn't, you, I'm, I'm just giving you shit because the, uh, the fact that you went less operator, more, uh, little kid with crown. <laughs> <laughs> you like, said it wasn't it. even, it was. It was embarrassing. It was like, what are you doing here? If you guys look on the pictures on my Instagram, all I do is like take like a scrubby marker and scrub over his face. And he was like, he messaged me and goes, why didn't you just use an emoji? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that probably would have been way easier. It would have been the equivalent. Or you like, there's so many apps out there to blur your face, but you use the yeah. pencil. And not even the marker. You just use the pencil. I fucked up, guys. <laughs> I fucked up. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's cool. All right. Uh, we'll jump in, Dylan. Um, Just, you know, just go over. You basically were talking about, you know, uh, it was a real rough look at your last unit, and then you got your packet got accepted to go back to EOD school and stuff. Um, Walk us through, like, however much you can of your time at EOD school. Yeah. Uh, so first to start off, uh, if you, if you are a prior enlisted and you want to go to EOD school, it's a, it's a pretty cool process. There's regulations out there that say that you will get a certain amount of on the job training, AKA you'll be attached to a unit, uh, for a bit. My first unit, the first sergeant tried to tell me that I couldn't go, uh, and be attached to the unit, but I just did it anyhow. And that was, uh, that was like clear night and day. It went from me being up at like the crack of five to get on the PT mat um, to me not showing up to work until like seven and then, you know, easing into PT, doing pretty hard stuff, but, you know, more of the, the CrossFit back prior to us, you know, getting all of the uh, the cool equipment that they have now that you can do. It was, uh, it was showing up to a EOD gym and it was like a CrossFit gym and not all the EOD techs were CrossFit fucking certified uh, you know, badasses. A lot of them just look like little chicken nuggets, but it, the sheer night and day of what type of PT it was uh, was pretty cool. And I spent, uh, I think I spent like five or six months with a unit down in Fort Campbell, OJTing to them and trying to get ready for EOD school. But as I'll go into here in a second, there's really not much you can do to get ready uh, for it other than just kind of understanding what the, the general vibe is of everything and, you know, 
uh, in real, really basic terms. But after we knocked that out uh, and I did the on-the-job on training, uh, I got really familiar with what exactly EOD entailed, uh, especially like doing the stateside response missions, as well as uh, you know getting into the, the weeds of all the cool things that you possibly can do as an uh, EOD technician. So that just kind of made it even more exciting. And then they sent me to uh, phase one, which was uh, at Fort Lee this time, because I, I think I said the, the first time I went through, I originally went in as EOD, uh, and that would be that was down in Redstone. But this time it was at Fort Lee, which is the, uh, the phase one, or like the preliminary school that the Army puts on. And the reason they do that is they're more or less just waiting out uh, or, or trying to ensure that the people that they send down to the actual schoolhouse, the actual like uh, NAF school EOD, uh, wean out all the people who just aren't going to make it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of confusing. It uh, a lot of the rules don't make sense, but it's just a bunch of hoops that you're jumping through uh, that gives you a baseline understanding of what EOD school is going to be like, while also ensuring that you can follow directions and uh, if the instructors like think that you should make it down there. And to me, that was actually the hardest part because. Like uh, the first couple of weeks, you have to learn, I think, over like 80 different phrases uh, to be able to speak the lingo of what EOD school was. Luckily, I had, I guess, the best type of on-the-job training, which was a prior failout. Uh, but I got down there and I kind of just rolled through it. And there was actually one test because you, you do like really basic demo down there and you have to follow their rules. One of those tests, I actually failed, but they let me go through because I was trying to help everybody else out and wasn't you know, doing the right thing in studying. But the instructors saw that I was trying, so they uh, they let me get get through that with flying colors. But then you actually get down to, to nav school, and I don't know what it's like now. I've heard they've taken drill sergeants and put them in that for the AITers, and they treat them like AITers, which um, to me I, I I'm very against, uh, but when you went down there, when I went through, everybody was treated like an adult and you just got, you got more or less time hacks to show up. So it was really, you, uh, you now just take the career in your own hands. And if you can't make it to school on time or be at the right place at the right time, they just kick you out. So like, it just wasn't worth the time to, to deal with. Now it seems like it's a little more guided, a little more handholding, which I'm not a super big fan of, but it is what it is. Yeah. I don't, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes hundred percent. Uh, I think for jobs like that, it's really odd to have a drill sergeant through the whole thing. Me personally, you know, because I, I understand it from my perspective because it's like, you know, I'm around, ours is 10 weeks, and then I see ones here that are six weeks, four weeks, you know. Um, it's kind of just a con- almost like continuation of OSIT. Um, yeah. The way I see it, I guess, is the newer generation needs a little more hand-holding to really instill that but at the same time i look at your job and it's i think you're there for what the whole pipeline is about a year long right yeah 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 i mean that's a long ass time to be getting your hand held uh not only that that we uh like we're small unit tactics we the moment you get dropped on a eod team but within a week you're going to be doing a real life mission uh, like from anywhere from stateside responses to the deployments and all that stuff. So we like, we tread in a, some weird gray area between special operations and conventional army. I mean, even for you to, to become a part of like the, 
uh, like to be a, become an EOD tech, you have to drop a packet through the special operations recruiting battalion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's held to a higher standard, which it it makes sense because like it, what you're doing is extremely serious. Because I've kind of I said this before, you show up on people's worst day of their lives, and just because you're a specialist or a uh, E3 doesn't mean that you don't have to take that responsibility in and actually do something. And I think I said it before in our last conversation, or and if I didn't, that's definitely I mean you've had conversations about it. The Army does a really, really bad job at, at holding hands and taking power away from people. So when it's time to them actually take responsibility, they're they're not ready for it because they you know thought that they would have to get responsibility when they're an E five and I'm just an E three. Well, in our world, our E threes are briefing generals shit. That's the schoolhouse sets you up and prepares you for that, but uh, the way it does that is by, you know, allowing you to have enough rope to hang yourself with. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. Did you, through that whole process, because obviously you didn't get your hand held, you know, you're dealing with all this shit by yourself. Did you feel your motivation go down or up, like, throughout the whole process? Because I could feel like... Uh, What's up? I'm sorry. I'll let you finish. No, no, you're good, man. You're good. It's just, it's it's because we're not face to face. Yeah, it's yeah, really hard, hard to uh, ensure we don't talk to each other. It uh, no, man. The 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 higher you build, it's kind of like you know that Flappy Bird game. Remember Flappy Bird? Yeah, yeah. You know, how, like the more and more points you get, the harder it seems, but it's not. It's just the same fucking same same thing. Like yeah. it's just the same six different little hoops you're jumping through or whatever. Yeah, that's how EOD school is. It doesn't get harder. It doesn't get easier. It just keeps going. And when you have put um, all of it on the line to be there, then, yeah, like me, I was a power generation technician, and I was like, I'll never be a power generation technician again. I'd rather die. And that's the mentality that I took it in. Like, there's no failing out of this test. But Like, burn the boats. Here we go. This is exactly what we're going to do. We can't. We, we don't get to fail. I and, think- uh, so – my bad. Go Dude, ahead. I think like that is why I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't even know them, right? But like the 18 x ray contract, the RASP stuff, a lot of it, I don't, maybe the RASP is different, but those jobs like where they're letting people come in off the streets and do it, I honestly think like there's people that can do it, but it's a very minute amount. And if you get guys that are coming in after being in the army for four to six years or eight years even, like they have a motivation that no one else is going to know. They're going to be like, I got to get the fuck out of my unit. I got to, I am not going back to that lifestyle of not having a purpose. Like I am getting this shit done. And I think like you yeah, and uh, but, Tyler, I think too had that same motivation because he was a fueler. I yeah. Think, but counter argument, man, there's a counter argument to everything. And the counter argument is, yeah, but what bad habits did you pick up? up until this point that I can't get you to break because you're still stuck in your ways. Give me- so like, if I get somebody off the street, that's a fresh, clean slate. If you're like, if I'm, if I'm SF guys and I get you to come in there, yeah, maybe you won't be instilled with some sort of discipline, but at the same time though, maybe I can get you and build you exactly the way I want you to. Give me one second. Comparison- I'll have a, have a rebuttal. <laughs> Give me one second. Yeah. It's the 
thing of the tiger. It's the queen of the fire. You know, uh, this is the best time to talk about our sponsors. Uh, if you guys ever thought about having some sort of system that could track your sleep, your recovery, and your physical uh, output based off of your cardio signs, go ahead and just DM Bear with a Hatchet, and I will send you a link code uh, to my Whoop subscription. So that are way you, you doing get a ads? Month off <laughs> are you doing ads on my off. podcast? <laughs> Heck yeah, I'm doing ads right now. I love All it. right, for the next ag, go ahead and um, you ever wanted to just take your extra change and invest it? Well, then go ahead and DM my uh, inbox, and I will give you an Acorn subscription. That takes all of your extra money that you have from your purchases, rounds up to the nearest dollar, and then allows you to invest it. Uh, and it's made by great people like Ashton Kutcher. He designed the app. So uh, if you want to, go for it. Yeah. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> we're doing non-sponsored sponsors. It's good. Time. Both of both of those sponsors will just equally yeah. make me money or give me a free and, <laughs> free week Yeah, and just like that, I'm canceled. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> what were you saying before? I, I'm sorry, I had to run. And, okay, uh, so what I was saying was, um, it like the the prior service idea, um, like the prior service idea for like rasp and, and sf and different things like that yeah about how they're not going to be as motivated as somebody who doesn't want to go back to their old life well i mean the my counter rebuttal to that is if i get an 18 x-ray uh to come in i think it's an x-ray yeah they, yeah it's uh, they, a, a swick baby a swick yeah. baby to come in a swick baby is being built from the ground up from exactly what is special forces in comparison to you know getting somebody who has spent four years over on X duty picking up bad habits, uh, maybe I'm just saying this is this is just me playing devil's advocate. Maybe it ends up working out in our favor because at the end of the day, we like they haven't picked up any bad habits. This is just exactly what they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just I I see it both ways. It's just I definitely see the more motivation coming from the guys that have been in or like it's I probably see it too much because I'm in AIT. So like yeah, all the guys that are here are like, you know, I'm just trying to get my job and get done here and get get through it no matter what. And then these other kids are like, well, you know, I can I go back to my regular life and stuff. And that's just annoying as shit to me because it's like you joined for everybody joined at this point, you know. Most people join not to like be a badass or anything. They joined to fix something in their life, and it seems like a lot of them give up very easily. You've been AIT. Yeah, you're you're at a chem AIT, dude. I like I I hate saying yeah, it, but not dude. even me, dude. Not... It's the other ones too. The other ones. I mean, like I get. I know we have our own thoughts about the chems core stuff, but like the other units. Like they have that same issue with the fuck, like whether it's infantry engineers, MPs, uh, 88 mics, like whatever, man, they're still struggling with these kids that are just like, well, fuck this. I'm going back to the real world. And I'm like, I don't think people understand like how hard the real world is, but then they also have fallbacks now. So I don't, it's, yeah. it's a whole amalgamation of bullshit. It's hard to it's decipher. yeah i hear that i mean that's yeah that there's so many layers of that conversation too yeah yeah go down so many rabbit holes because yeah you're you, i mean you're not wrong but i mean at the same time though i don't know if the motivation is what i'm looking for i'm looking for a fucking well-rounded uh, individual though motivation comes with that 
that's not always the key. Like just because you're not like, oh my God, let me be in the front of this line doesn't mean that you're a well-rounded individual. But at the same time, though, yeah, you're probably you're a hundred percent right uh, because what you guys are seeing is through the lens of that. At the same time, though, the army sucks. It's not <laughs> like there's the military sucks. It's not fun. There's not fun things. I mean, there's some fun things, but like even basic training, you like really think about basic training. There's a couple things in basic training that are really, really fun, and it makes that each week worth it. But uh, it's not. It's not fun at all. And I think it's funny to think drill sergeants think it's fun. Like, rappel day. Oh, my God. We get to do rappel day. Man, you guys are going to love this. We're going to do a skit where we throw a guy off the top, and then we'll all laugh uh, in good memory. But then at the same time, you're smoking the shit out of them <laughs> when you get back. Yeah. Just, uh, you know throw a little spice on there well literally everything was designed off of so i mean it, I mean, it, it is what it is it was all designed off of world war ii the draft man everything came off the draft of world war ii and then eventually the draft in vietnam really shaped it all to where it was like all these people do not want to actually serve and you got to make them serve but it was and then we just yeah, let that carry over that's not true either that's a hundred percent not true. Because it was like, it was only twenty like percent. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that's still a big chunk, the dude. Army. Imagine one yeah, out of I mean, four people in basic are just like, "I did not choose to be here. I was going to go to jail." Like that's a that's a big yeah, chunk. True. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I also see there's also three fucking motivated people that are like, "Come on, you dick." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, which which can be, which can be a bigger motivator than it's sad that you're there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, I also like, especially I, you, you get around a bunch. I I just think I am also the person, and you probably saw it. I'm a person motivated through discomfort. So like, if I'm put in a situation that I'm not comfortable with, I want to work my way out of it. And I'll like, I'll do whatever. Um, I think a lot of people may, I don't know if they're older. I think it's just a mindset. I don't believe in the age thing. I think it's just like, that's a personality thing. I find discomfort a major motivator because I want to get out of that. I don't think. Oh, and you guys, yeah. You're not seeing people that have that same motivator anymore. No, uh, I. We, we haven't had that since like 2014. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, you remember, remember our our uh what's his name our uh mutual friend he used to say the most wild shit to me to get me through stuff and it worked because it was just like holy shit i guess yeah, but you're a glutton for punishment buddy right you're a glutton for yeah punishment. i know but it like because our because our other mutual friend you know the alcoholic <laughs> yeah uh, i mean the other alcoholic that guy would also say the same shit to you and you were just a glutton for punishment yeah <laughs> so but i so, think a lot of dudes yeah. in the army are like that i think a lot of dudes in the army like I'm not saying they get off on pain. I'm saying they find like solace in it and are like, yeah, I'm going to get through this shit because we're all, we're fucking sucking or I'm going to be better because I fucking suck for a while. And I don't don't see that anymore. Yeah. I was definitely that dude too in my early years. Now I'm like, that's fucking lame. Yeah. yeah. Put me on a helicopter, baby boy. I'm not actively trying to, uh, I'm my actively uh, trying to get through pain is to get through the to the cushy side on the on the back side that allows me to do the job that I do where I uh, I get to pretend like I I'm an operator for a bit. So it's a, it's a little different than the motivation I had before where I was like 
fuck yeah, I'm way more harder than this dude next to me. Yeah, it transitions. I'll carry the boats. Yeah, I'll carry the boat. You don't know me, son. They don't know me, son. Uh, oh, I don't. You, I don't think quick, like quick. What's it? No, you you go. You go. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Quick side tangent. You remember how you said that you like my pirate flag? Yeah. Uh, I also have that tattooed in my arm too. By the way. You do? I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have it. It has a bomb. It's not a JSAL, but it's. I have it tattooed in my arm. That's dope. Older women love it. Uh, yeah, I'm next, sure. <laughs> uh, I also I got a leg tattoo now, uh, and it says "Burn the boats." So that's awesome. Yeah, that guy. It's a metal. It's a it's a communism tattoo. It's a pro communism tattoo. Jesus, because it's a, it's a yacht that's on fire. <laughs> yeah. Burn, burn the boats. Eat the rich. Yeah, My bad. Sorry. I, eat the rich. <laughs> eat the rich. Uh, all right, my bad. I totally, you were about to say something awesome and I completely kicked you <laughs> off of it. No, um, no, we pretty much hit it all. I'll go, I'll go back into it. I'll get us back on this fucking train ride. We, uh, you, you're getting, you're getting through, uh, AIT. Uh, how was the feeling when you graduated and where did you end up afterwards? Uh, yeah. So they like, it's, Long story short, I'm not going to get super debt. We can we can one day later on down the road. We're not talking about life stories. I'll actually talk about what le- what legit the EOD school is. But really, what it boils down to as a whole is uh, C. Bernie. Uh, it's chemical, biological, uh, nuclear, explosives, radiological. I I messed that up, but either way, it hits all. How of those. dare you? And as you're building, uh, as yeah, as oh yeah, okay, sorry, it ain't my fault. You can't do all five. I can't, yeah. You can only do. You can only do four. Two and a half. Kind of, yeah, two and a half. With, yeah. Like with the right people watching. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, was, hey, you guys want to talk about fentanyl? Fentanyl? <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Huh. I, pray, I can't go The down bees are dying, um, guys. <laughs> bees are dying. We're uh, doing nothing about it. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Russian and fent- use, use of fentanyl as a sleeping agent. Uh, but back to what I was saying. The, um, yeah, so every like the course you run the entire course, and it's you running as a team leader. Uh, so our basic level is is taught to run as an EOD team leader all the way through their schoolhouse. So you're running actual problems on actual ordinance uh, of all of those those skill sets, and then you get towards the end, and you get your you first get your orders, and I got orders to technical escort, which is a chem battalion that they attach EOD Texas. And back when I went through, there was only three of them. Uh, so pretty much it's just a career ender that I was like, damn it, this is the worst thing ever. And then I even like tried out for a specialized unit. They didn't really want me. Uh, so I was like, all right, I guess I'll go to tech escort. This would be little that I know that I could have just broke my leg and I would have got out of it, but, um, I didn't. So I was like, all right, I guess we're going to go to tech escort. But either way, the motivation was still on. I couldn't fail because I would have to be a generator technician and then I would have to ultimately kill myself. Um, so I was like, all right, we're going to make it through. And then the first thing they do is they hand you your bazaar. And the EOD badge uh, that we wear is like a really, really big thing to our community. It's like it's held sacredly. Yeah, the crab. To me, For those that don't know, it, it's just a, it looks like they call it the crab. It just looks like a crab. It's pretty dope, though. It's a cool, it's a cool ass insignia. Uh, yeah, it has like a, like a bomb and a, and a shield on it and some yeah. lightning bolts. 
a refill. Uh, but yeah, they that's like a big thing. So when we get that, everybody's like, hell yeah, this is the best day of our lives. And uh, all the way to the point where I, uh, for my career group though, and like our age group, the actual thing that was really cool is the bizarre. And that's the tag that we wear out on our shoulder that says EOD. Yeah. And I remember getting that and that was like, a, I'm going to graduate. This is going to be awesome. Well, there are like two tests uh, that was left that I had to go through. I can't really talk about them because of, you know, paperwork. Uh, yeah. But I I made it through the two tests, and then we get to graduation day, and uh, by far happiest day of my life. I could uh, really no, never mind. I was uh, like, kid, I was like, it's got to be, it's got to be one. Kid, I think kid birth. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah. fair, I'm a guy though, so no, kid I, birth isn't the happiest day of yeah. my life. Uh, but um, you know, little kid is my favorite thing, but definitely yeah. OD school. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, made it through with me and my compadres. And uh, if you ever log into the Patreon, you can hear Lim, which was the other guy that made it through with me. Uh, and I think we were two out of, or not we, he was in a class ahead of mine. It was two of us made it from the original class out of 48. So it was something like that. And the rest were all kind of kind of glued together. So big, big fail rate. Really, really cool to be on the, on the floor. Wait, so how that. many? Say that again. So from my original class uh, at Fort Lee, out of 48 of us, only two made it through. Holy shit. Yeah. I did not know the attrition so, was that high. Uh, yeah. So, um, but I mean, we can lower that by saying um, out of my actual class, I want to say like four of us, like the, the class that I started at NAV school, I think four out of like 16 of us. So are they recycling the people or some of those recycles so they, and stuff? Or some, some of them chapter, are. You At the or, time you you go to a board and if you're, you could do pass your board and you had a good reason to be recycled, you get recycled or they just boot you out. Okay. And, and that flares up depending on the needs of the army. So yeah. sometimes they'll be fucking giving people passes left and right. Sometimes they're like, no, nope, you're fucking, you're not even getting a board. Yeah. Me. I was like, if I go to the board, I'll fail. So I will not go to the board. I have a tangent real quick. Uh, Would you say that right now, like j- this, doesn't have to go down a giant rabbit hole, but would you say they're probably giving passes out pretty heavy right now? Um, probably. So, not realistically. I mean, I don't. I don't know what's going on in that school. I'd have to ask uh, some of my compadres that work down there. Uh, but I would imagine, just with the need, they're probably giving more ability to go to the board, but they're probably not being le- like they're not. It's probably not easier. Right, it's you probably easier to get to the board, but yeah. the board is still. Yeah. If a guy sucks, he sucks. Like there's no you're way fucking, around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I like when I went through. You fucking you got done from work. And you you were done. We'd go to a Billy Currenton concert in the middle of the week. It was like it was fucking spring break capital of the world. Yeah, uh, I I was there for both spring break and summer, so like it was awesome. But in saying that, if you're a turd and you can't make the school, that was a great wiener factor. Like, but the army spends like I'm gonna say they spend like fucking three fourths of a million dollars or something ridiculously yeah. high on it's each a, of the seats that they pay it's for. It's a hundred grand. School. It's a hundred grand just for one soldier to go through any AOT. So I imagine for y'all's, it's even yeah astronomically higher. You know. Yeah, it's like some ridiculous it doesn't make any sense uh for for them to go through it and the navy's just racking that all in yeah uh and the air force base didn't do so 
it's a, it's funny. It's a Navy school that's taught by Air Force and Army uh, or Army Marines and Air Force, but mostly just Army and Marines on an Air Force base. So it's yeah, a it's weird. a whole yeah, it's a whole whole bunch of fun. But yeah, uh, they probably it's probably not easier hands down. But at the same time, though, the people who shouldn't have made it are probably making it just because now there's a lot of hand holding. Yeah, like originally there was no bus. Like you had to figure out how to get to school. Now there's a bus, so. <laughs> I'm not going to say. I don't know. I don't want to say. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it too much because we are. The Patreon is going up next week. I've made plans. I got it. Patreon's going up next week. But tell me your thoughts about when you got to one tenth and how you dealt with that. Uh- Oh, I've never been more miserable in my life. Actually, the first day was pretty sweet. Uh, I remember I sat down. It was like one of the first times I ever talked to Lim, uh, our mutual friend. Yeah. We sat down on this table in the battalion, and he said, but Gally asked us all why we were supposed to, why we wanted to be there. She like went around the table. She first got the Lim, and Lim's answer was uh, just because I wanted I wanted to be a thug, and this is the most thugging thing I could think of. And that was like, that is the most gangster that's, shit I've ever heard. That was awesome. Sounds like Lynn. Uh, and then I got yeah. to me, and she didn't even ask me. She just said that I look like one of those people who think their shit doesn't smell. And I was like, well, that was rude. Um, but long story short, she ended up becoming a really, really great leader. Uh, so I can't really complain. But being in a chemical unit, at least at that time, that was the most miserable thing in the world. Like, they would literally, if three or more EOD techs grouped up, it was like Oklahoma in the early 1900s. They would straight up think we were a world war party, and they would separate us, yeah. not let us talk to each other. So it was god awful. And um, there's no real mission. They weren't giving us badge time. We weren't getting extra pays. Like all the things you th- wanted to be an EOD tech for, you weren't getting. So was- yeah, from my end, all I saw, I mostly what I saw, um, it was awesome having you guys with us. You taught us a lot of stuff, especially you and our friend and stuff. Um, the big issue I saw, I guess, was uh, not being utilized correctly. It was kind of weird, but I definitely could see how it would be frustrating being there and how you're you're not being used to your maximum potential. Um, well, I mean, I, you you've heard me do nothing but shit on the chem core, and I'm not going to turn this into me shitting on the chem core. But at our that's the Patreon level, guys. Our, <laughs> our, yeah, uh, our PFCs are taught to your fucking 20 level of your job yeah like just our baseline so like when you get there and any you'll be disappointed in anybody that doesn't know their job but it's really disappointing when like people who are way higher ranking than you don't know their job let alone don't know my job or how any of this all works and i remember i had an lt who was this nice nice young lady and she i remember her saying like man you eod guys i love having you around because you guys are always thinking about things. You always have something that we need to worry about. And it's because, like, we at our lowest level are taught to manage emergency response. The LT who's supposed to be taught the same exact things are never taught that. So, like, we, it turns into us standing next to an LT and telling them what to do, which is very Army-ish, but it's just not what you want when you're – it's all Army. Not for you guys, yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all fake. Like, it's all fake world. And when you're – when you're looking across the street and these dudes are wearing civilian clothes and barbecuing and going out on real world missions, you start to look at the LARPing world that you're in and it really, it 
puts a bitter taste in your mouth. Plus, it was the middle of the Obama drawdown, so the uh, pretty much if you were re-enlisting in 16 and 17, you were told you were just not going to re-enlist. So. Yeah, I remember that was Miserable. a big that was a big issue, and it was hard to keep you guys in and stuff. Um, how long were you there for? Uh, I want to say I was there four years. Around four years. Yeah. Uh, no, I was there for five or six, something like that. Because since I couldn't re-enlist, they weren't letting me go anywhere, so I just stayed there. Yeah. Which was uh, miserable. What? Um. So, what steps did you take when you got out? When you know you ultimately made a decision, I'm getting out, or you didn't really make the decision. They told you that. What what were the steps there, and like what what happened thereafter? Like go from like basically like, okay, now I know I'm getting out to I'm out, I'm doing this. Yeah. So um, that first that last year, uh, that was also when I I went out to go support uh, our other mutual friend in Iraq to get that blister out of Missoula. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So like I spent the the first part of the year doing something neat, and then the second part of the year I was like, all right, I guess I gotta find a real job. Which uh, sucks when you're a EOD technician in Washington because there's not a lot of jobs in Washington. Yeah. Um, especially because the um, I was like, you know, I was I, I didn't have all the certifications that I would need to get the big boy jobs. The big boy jobs that are on the East Coast are all like six figure paying jobs that are really awesome to do. But um, you know, without me being able to rank up, I can't really do any of the things that I want to do. So I started calling around. I started looking for contracting agencies uh, to see if I could, you know, become a GRS guy or do anything that I possibly could just uh, to maintain uh, my security clearance as well as, um, you know, be fulfill my need for war, uh, I guess, for lack of better terms. So I found a job, though, as a uh, bodyguard, as like working for this this protection firm that was out of station out of, I mean, based out of Hollywood, but all over the place. And I started doing uh, close protection for and security management up in Seattle while I was still on leave, while also looking for contract jobs. And I went through a selection process. I got maced in the face, got attacked by dogs, got beat up a bunch uh, down in San Diego or San Francisco, and then I um, or in Los Angeles. And then I made it through there, and I started working up in Seattle. Well, while that was going on, they also thought the points were going to drop, so they even extended me. So I spent like six months in the Army as a protection agent uh, working in Seattle because I, our company commander was a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And then didn't show up for work, grew a beard, just did whatever the fuck I wanted, uh, while also, you know, being um, like what I assumed was a cool guy, uh, a.k.a. a piece of furniture in some extremely wealthy individual's house. Uh, and somebody else's corporate area. But that was pretty cool because it's a lot of like fighting homeless people and um, just doing doing shenanigans. Um, so, you know, being that stuff. Uh, so while I was looking for a job, I reached out to one of my old uh, LTs that I, I used to be in class with because in EOD school, at least I don't know how it is now, but we, you know, the officers would be with the enlisted. So we all became friends and like on a first name basis, but I reached out to one of my buddy, Ryan, who just so happened to be running a national guard company. And I was like, Hey man, I know you were part of like Blackwater back in the day. How do I get into that world? He was like, well, how about you deploy with me? I was like, well, can you give me this rank and this job? He was like, yeah, man, if you can get here. So I, uh, I flew out while I was still on active duty and I hung out with them for a week 
And like, I have this picture with the national guard in my, is in my head. And that, um, that is a hundred percent true. It's a bunch of goobers. But when I got to the national guard where I was, uh, like eventually get stationed, these dudes were fucking flying around in helicopters and fucking doing cool guy shit, propelling and like listening to like, I remember I was like in a truck that had no doors in it and we didn't have helmets on and we were listening to Tupac, like bumping Tupac. And I remember being like, man, the National Guard is sick. Yeah. <laughs> and then I drove past a bunch of goobers wearing M40 masks, like uh, calling cadence and hiking, like, you know, marching together. And I was like, oh, wait, that's the National Guard. I, I got to remember that's the National Guard. But, you know, they really sold it on me for the whole EOD side of the house because it, it you know, is in this kept secret area. There's a lot of just that shit that I thought EOD was is what this, this place was. There was a little bit of gooberness too to the unit, but it's, it was whatever. Yeah. And we had a deployment slot to go to Afghanistan. So I was like, Oh yeah. So I remember training up with them. Yeah. Cause me and you met over there, uh, briefly a couple times. And I remember meeting all you guys. I'm like, these are kind of like active dudes. These are chill. Like most of them, they're, the pretty, uh, pretty chill dudes. Yeah, it's because at the end of the day, every EOD tech in the National Guard is a full-time EOD technician and a part-time everything else. Yeah. We just don't get any of the fucking benefits. And most of them are all war junkies that jump from deployment to deployment to deployment. And, you know, that's their entire life pretty much. So, and uh, if, if I wasn't a single father, you better believe I'd be in a foreign country right now. Yeah. You got you could do that deployment and then did you go afterwards? I thought you went again or did you not? Uh, did I go again? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to a couple of different places around the around the the, the the area, but I never any actual big 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 deployment like for a couple months or more. Okay, because um, yeah, uh, they're uh, the National Guard is doing all the stuff that active duty does minus the uh, stateside response, but they got. South America and all the different kinds of things. So. Yeah. What? Uh. So, you jump in a National Guard. I know now you're like a staff sergeant, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, it was pretty easy to kind of big, big dick my way up with there being ranks like positions open. So I just kind of jumped up, jumped up for me to E4 that was stuck there uh, that had been in the army for like freaking ten years, not being able to promote. I even got out with my promotion points were at seven uh, sixty three. I think when I yeah, got I remember, out. Yeah, I remember that you were so fucking close, and then yeah, you got they out. Like, it was would like would promote one person, and I was the the second most highest uh, individual. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then they they raised the po- or they lowered the points shortly after I got out too, which was some nonsense. Uh, but yeah, the. Uh, I, uh, I I made rank, but again, ranking the, the EOD is really not anything. And I know when you saw me on deployment, it's like I didn't even wear rank. I I have a tendency to mess with first sergeants and pretend I'm like pretend that I'm not even in the army. So uh, yeah, so I, I made it up to staff sergeant, and then I uh, I ended up coming back, and I had an ex or my ex wife at the time kind of went through a schizophrenic bout, and kind of is now off doing her own thing. So I became a full time father. And I got to, you know, transition back into the civilian world once again, which is never fun, never fun. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, I pro, I guess I, I don't know how to explain that. 
I did really, really good because I just jumped from job to job to job until I made way more than I've ever made in my life. Yeah. What do you do now? I think I had it. What do you do do now? Yeah. So I I had seven jobs in the course of like six months. Yeah. Which is not what you're supposed to do. That's not a good thing. But now, (laughs) yeah. But I was just trying to make more money and I was also trying to uh, be able to support my daughter. And I live in Washington where it is extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, So the uh yeah so long story short i come ripping in and and i found like a i i started looking at jobs and i was like what is a white collar job that you can work from home well i found this thing called project management so i just started calling companies around and asking to like be a um uh an intern for a project manager Mm -hmm. which was total bs from the beginning i was like there's I, i need money so no matter what i couldn't just be an intern but i finally found the right person to, you know, take my call, and she was like, "I can make you a logistics coordinator," at, but you have to be with this company. Well, long story short, I got with the company. The company kind of liked me. They wanted to help out a veteran, so now I'm a project manager working for them, and I uh, I work for a tech company that helps upgrade the internet, uh, for lack of better terms. I mean, I can get super nerdy with it. Long story short, everybody's on IPv4. We're bringing them to IPv6. Every like government contract. Uh, like DOE, uh, VA, every well, department of the army, they're all jumping from the old internet to the new internet, and oh, our job facilitates that. So okay. now I'm the project manager, and I work from home and I homeschool my kids. So I, it allows me to you know cruise around and do army things as well. Do you regret getting out, or do you regret you know doing any of that, or are you satisfied with it or anything, or? Well, I mean, I um, in five years I could be retired from the army. Ooh. If I would have stayed active duty, you know, yeah. I could be fucking on a on a better job. That's now a I have hard to wait thought. until I'm sixty three. So, which yeah. doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it's weird how they do that. <laughs> That's weird. The system's yeah. weird. You can spend ten years active duty army, and you still have to retire at sixty five unless you deploy. But even if you deployed for ten years straight. It would only you'd still retire at fifty five. Yeah. So I don't I don't understand any of it. If our Congress members could just fix that somehow, that'd be great. Yeah. Um what um for those like joining, what's your biggest piece of advice to them? Like the ones that are like brand fucking new, they don't know what MOS they want or anything. What's like your biggest piece of advice? Uh, probably, pro- okay, so I'm going to say shoot for the moon, but have real uh, real expectations. So if you want to be a fucking Jason Bourne operator-esque, do it. Go for it. But also, understand you're going to need to fucking work out, and not when you get there. Like, you need to work out now. You need to, you need to be in the best shape you've ever been, and I'm not talking about little kid shape. I mean, better in shape than all the people around you. Uh, so if you want to do that, you got to do that. You know, read a book, do something that sets you up for that. If you want to be a cook, well, then set yourself up to be a cook prior to because it's there's a lot of like thinking the grass is going to be greener on the other side. And the army is not going to waste its time teaching you. And at the end of the day, I think um, I told you guys about the whole me being a power generation technician having to learn. Yeah, I had to learn on my own. You know, it would have been way better knowing mechanics prior to becoming a power generation technician. Of course, it wasn't my uh, my original goal to do that. But if you don't set yourself up for success like that, 
you are no use to anybody. Uh, like, so, cause that's ultimately what this is. I'm not a big f- proponent to being a use to the army because the army will use you and then throw you away, but you need to be a use to the people around you. And the only way you're going to do that is by setting yourself up for success and working outside of what the army is going to give you because they're going to give you the bare minimum that's made to blanket everything uh, and give everybody like the baseline gear. You're going to need to get better gear, AKA learn more, do whatever you have to do to be better yourself outside of it. So that when you come in, you're uh, you're set and then some, because, you know, hitting the minimum standard, it's cool. They can't kick you out for that. But me as a person that's working above you and beside you, I'm going to look down. Yeah. I just learned that last three years, man, of like, the army is like, if you want to like skate by, if you want to like, you know, the army gives you these guidelines, but if you want to excel or you want to do better outside of the army, you got to set yourself up. You got to pick, like, I love what you said. Pick up a book, go lift weights, go on a run, go do something. Jocko Willing says it, man. They're like, they're like, what, uh, what do you suggest to young men? Lift weights, do jujitsu, go on a run, quit. He says quit drinking. I don't really agree with that. But, like, the other shit, he's like, you know, it's solid, man. People are not going to hold your hand for your whole life. you got to learn to. Well, you, I mean, it's the, there's so many layers of that, too, like, of why people don't already have that instilled in them. Uh, but, like, my th- favorite saying, if we're going to pull from, from culture, is the, uh, the 30 seconds out, guys. Their whole thing is prepare to self-rescue. No one is coming. No one is it's coming, up to you. man. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the way I look at it. What's that like, dude's name? I know. I just listened to that guy. I I didn't even know he's on podcasts. I don't. I have no idea what his name is. I, I think he was on Black I'm Rifle. A of, I'm a fan of t-shirts. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it was, dude. He was just on Black Rifle talking about those t-shirts. How he made more of those t-shirts than in like a month than he did as a year as a U.S. Marshal. Um, yeah. I, side note, yeah, I, I I love that guy. He was cool as fuck. He was a ranger for a while. Uh, great yeah. fucking dude. And then, and then he got out and was like, you know, I'm gonna go help with avalanches in the middle of Montana. Yeah, that's what he does now. And he he did fucking uh, U.S. Marshal, and he was like, this shit's boring, dude. Side note, I gotta tell a story. Side note, he fucking says, um, his dad is about to die. Right, probably has like six months yeah. left or three months left. He goes. Hey, I need to take, he's a U.S. Marshal, very solid. He goes, I need to take three months of uh, leave to go take care of my uh, dad. I'll transfer, I'll take leave, I'll do whatever I need to, but I got to do this. He gets a message back from the site manager or whatever, and he goes, "Um, if your dad is sick, he can move to you. That's all the email said. So he went into the system they had for leave, and he put leave without pay for a year and they couldn't fire him because he was so good there was no paper trail so for a year he's just on leave and they're like you got to come back what are you doing he's like no take care of my dad and after a while they were like um yeah so you're taking up a slot and we really need that you know you're still in our books and we can't fire you right now and he goes no i'm enjoying my time so no in a year mark it's and they go, uh, we have enough now. You know, you haven't been at work for a year. We have the paper trail now. We can fire you. He goes, well, I quit. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's fucking badass, dude. 
It's fucking cool. Yeah, Do you fuck really, them? I mean, well, that could, that could just open up the can of me being an extreme because that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. My government is fucking. People look at it, at it as a people problem, not a problem. And that's what kills me about everything from trans rights to fucking uh, budgets to poor people to everything. We look at everything problem and not a single person problem it kills me it kills yeah. me and the, the, the government is really good about doing that with their employees because they don't look at them as human beings it's because but everything got me, like everything got like giganticized to where it's like oh we can we can modulate this to control everybody and it'll work for everybody and it's like that's not the case what's so fucking ever some would argue that's end stage capitalism and I don't want to argue because it make me sound like a socialist now. It's kind of anti capitalist. Uh, I think it's being shitty and scared and fear, uh, fear adverse leadership and just, just you know, a bunch of wimps because that's ultimately what this boils down to. If I was the governor of Montana, or no, if I was the, if I was the head of the U.S. Marshals. And I heard about the situation. I'd go, hey, yeah, give me your leave. I don't care. It's like we'll budget it out. It doesn't matter to me. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't care. I bet you the taxpayers would be okay with him taking care of his dad. But me doesn't and, fucking matter to me. But we're also like logical. Like we're on this level. I'm sure at a certain point you have to look at it as a business. But that just sucks that at that level they're looking at it like a business. Still, I'm like, you are not a service industry no. like this. Yeah. Hundred percent. No, I'm and I'm looking at it as a property manager. I mean, my entire life consists of of looking at things like the way you're supposed to look at them. But I also got a cool leadership group that knows life gets in the way, and take care of your shit. You'll yeah. make money for me on the back. That's fine. Like that's fine. There is a time and place where you have to you have to cut somebody. But at the end of the day, man, they're like talking about how great of a person he is, and there's no paper trail, and we can't get him out. Well, wouldn't you want to support Yo, that? Why would because you not keep that money fucking can you dude? Save on the back end by keeping. Yeah, he exactly. would have come. Like, you know what he said? Money lives. His dad died in five weeks, right? So let's say he took ten weeks off or fifteen weeks off. He would have monumentally been back sooner, but because they were assholes, he was going to be an asshole. And I get that, dude. Like sometimes you got to be a little petty. If you're fucking angry, if it's personal and they're fucking over your livelihood, like you'll get a little petty sometimes. Oh yeah, no for sure. Burn the boats. Burn, Burn the, the boats. boats. No one's come to save you. <laughs> yeah. Uh what That's the, D- that's the title of this, this this one. That's the title of this one. What um what advice good or what's the best thing you learned in the army and what's the worst thing you learned in the army? Okay, I'm gonna go worst thing. You're like apply uh, it, apply a tourniquet. No. <laughs> and I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go worst thing because I I'm the, and this is probably not even answering the question, but I just like to bring this up. And this is a, uh, a, a kind of a snapshot of humanity. So I was in when Don't Ask, Don't Tell got put away, and um, no matter it, what side you stand on, if that was an extremely happy time for the LGBT community, or if it like because I've heard the argument that like. 
before that, there was no sex in the workplace. Like that's ultimately what that boiled down to. Like it doesn't really matter what you do. That we don't talk about it. That's like I've always had that explained to me, even by uh, people, uh, a couple people who were from the LGBT community. They're like, yeah, before don't ask, don't tell. It didn't fucking matter because you just didn't talk about it. And like leadership couldn't come to you, come at you and attack you because they weren't allowed to ask, and I wasn't allowed to tell you, so it didn't fucking matter. Yeah, like because at the end of the day, this is a this is a job. This is the army is a job. So what do you care about my sexuality? It doesn't matter. It's not a real thing. So, but in saying that, um, I was in Afghanistan when they got rid of don't ask, don't tell. And this gentleman, Kevin Sprinkles, yeah, I've dropped your name every single time that I possibly can. Just so if people meet you, they can know that you're this guy. Kevin Sprinkles, this first sergeant, gets us in this, like, in our boxy little formation and goes, hey, I just want to let everybody know. Don't ask, don't tell. It's no longer in effect. So if you want to come out of the closet, you and your partner can come to my office and show me. Everybody giggled. I, as a highly intellectual person, was slightly confused. Like, yeah, why, why does he need a show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, they're like, ha-ha, that's funny. Well, I can tell you there were two people in my formation at that time that were part of the LGBT community. And I, like, I don't know how they felt. But either way, fuck Kevin and Sprinkles. Sprinkles, Because, though, one. There's a lot of irony it, there. Yeah, 100%. 100%. One, what does that even mean? Why do you need to see two people act out something in front of them? Like we should have went after him. Yeah, but we why? Should have went after him. Why did he feel the need to have a formation to say the day after I no that idea. I want to? I want to nip this in the bud. You're gonna, oh. yeah, you're right. I don't. I don't understand any. And I've thought about this a lot since yeah. that day. Like I don't understand any part of it because, like, okay, if you want to like have a sexuality that's different than mine, you're gonna have to prove it. Okay, what? Like th that is about as outdated as to me as making somebody wash themselves in front of the squad because they don't take showers. What? What? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? Like it's it's it, and two. Like I'm sorry for anybody in that formation that felt some sort of way uh, because like again it's none of his fucking business. And you as a leader, why would you even bring that up? Like yeah. it doesn't like that. Not a fucking thing. But it made me kind of realize that people are shitty. Like people are just generally shitty. And even especially with, with their unknown. Right. Because I mean, we, we have a mutual friend, uh, who like had a lot of struggling. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, uh, Sanchez. Yeah. I'm dropping. Yeah. I remember. Cause he, we had a lot of good conversations with him. Yeah. He had a lot of big struggle being from a Catholic family, uh, and then going into the army and feeling like he had to be macho. My Bro, he was. He, I'm pretty sure he was in the unit. I don't. I, well, I'll do a fact check. I guess. I I believe he was in the unit. The same. I don't know if it was the same company or what. But as um the battle of uh, the battle of uh, um. You know Clint Ramisha. Oh yeah. Like yeah, Red you platoon? know the, the battle. What is that called? Red platoon. You know, battle of uh, uh Keating. Yeah, I, I Keating. Yeah, yeah, Kyle uh, Keating. I believe he was in yeah. that company. Cause he posted every no, no shit. same shit every year, and I'm like, dude, he saw so much shit, and he was an effective fucking leader. Like, I remember saying him. He was solid, but man. He's solid. At fucking same dude. time, though, he's talking about how he like felt that he had to grow the biggest mustache, which is so funny to me. 
he was like, I had to grow the biggest mustache because I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't macho. Well, that's because, uh, you know, you know, Mexican culture. But he like that was one of his ways that he hid his own yeah. sexuality. That's hard, uh, man. Which, that's hard. Oh, it made me giggle because there's no hiding sexuality from that guy. Like that's yeah. that guy. Is, <laughs> that guy is as flaming as you possibly yeah. ever be yeah. before and after. I loved him, dude. Uh, but, he was so fucking yeah. cool, but he was so like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. But it it gave me a little foresight, right? And the idea as like a young soldier looking at this fucking douchebag that like made himself sit like like made a joke out of it and, or whatever the fuck that was. Cause I've yet to this day figure out why he did that. But, uh, it just gave me a little foresight of like, uh, you know, people are always watching and you don't know what people's lives were up to that point that you make a comment like that. Uh, because, and this kind of goes in the, the, the best thing that I've ever heard was, I don't know if you remember, there was a captain who, uh, worked in the, uh, the S2 area of one town. Well, I got it in my head one day at because I like was very self-sabotaging that I was going to take the F word and I was going to take it back. And, um, you know, I was going to use it kind of like the way uh, different races use their own word. <laughs> so I proceeded to use the F word in situations that weren't representative of gays at all. So I would just be like, what up, faggot? Oh. And uh, it was the funniest <laughs> thing to me. Oh uh, ever. God. Well, well, uh, this gentleman was like, whoa, why'd you say that? And I was like, oh, uh, because I'm taking it back. He goes, well, like, why? And I'm like, because, I mean, I'm taking it back. I'm trying to fucking, you know, make it so it's not so, so harsh. And he was like, all right, so check this out. Imagine you are one of, like, you were, are working with the most baddest-ass special forces team in the world, Right. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, now imagine if there's somebody on that team that's gay. And I'm like, okay. He's like, what if he didn't like that word? I'm like, well, it's his job to tell me that he doesn't like that word. He's like, no, 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 no. What if this guy is one of the coolest hitters in the world? And he just going to let you do your thing. But little, little deep down somewhere inside of him, he remembers him getting beat up as a kid, getting called that. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, it's on him that if he feels uncomfortable to tell me and then we could talk it out. He's like, but what if he never does out of respect for you? And I'm like, well, I mean, that's on him. And he's like, well, what if that guy dies? Like, what if he dies, you know, trying to save somebody or do whatever? Like, it never tells you that that word affected him. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And he's like, well, what if he died? Like, would you want his memory to go on like that? Like, do you, to, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, um, you know, remember him by saying words like that, even if you didn't know that it was affecting him or not, what if it just did? And I was like, oh, damn, that kind of sucks. It's like, well, you never know what people are dealing with. I like that. That's end, a right? good, that's a solid. And I was like, well, shit. And now, and now that's the way I explain it too. And I maintain trying not to say, and I love, I love that word. I love it with a passion. Uh, I love it. There's like, it, it rolls off the tongue like better than any other words. It seems like the two worst words is that and cunt. And those, both of those words roll off the tongue like really well, but you know, you're not supposed to say them because you know, it really offends people. So I, that's what I use now when I tell people and I hear that. Uh, and usually I get a pretty positive backflow. It's a little yeah. embarrassing to get told that cause you immediately feel bad. Like, yeah, you're right. But I think it's a good way to think about well, it. So those are probably the, it's a life lesson. That's those, solid. That, yeah, I think those are two really, really good life lessons. 
uh, in my eyes. Yeah. So I guess that's the, the, the good and the best or the best and the bad. Um, and I don't even know if that's the, the worst thing that I've ever learned. Those were good though. Fentanyl, Those are two. Yeah, probably created fentanyl, by Russia. Yeah. yeah it's, it's probably created by Russia. Chinese are marketing it to the South American drug cartels. They use it as they, incapacitation agents. Yeah. They've used them in every single one of their like riot control things where a bunch of people die. And we don't even talk about that. Anyway, Patreon guys next week. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. oh, does the chem guy not want to talk about yeah. chem guy shit? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Not long. Just he, saying. It's not, not secret. It's not <laughs> secret. Every, everybody, Google Russian massacres. What, uh, what, what do you think about today's state of the army? State of the army? I, uh, I look smaller picture and I usually go to today's state of EOD. I don't, the, uh, the army's fine. The army's going to be okay. The army's always going to be okay. Yeah. It's it's going to roll on with the ups and the downs. People like to uh, Evan Haver says really well. People like to get on the fact they like got rid of um, you know uh, shark attack at Fort Benning. Well, he's like, well, did they replace it with something as equally as bad? Because like that's that's the thing. We're smart enough now now that we don't have to use Vietnam tactics yeah. to like haze people, right? Yeah. Uh, and I I think it's really easy to go like back in my day. But I, I like think, that you say uh, that. I like that you say that, man. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. And the army is going to constantly grow. The war machine is going to find its money. Uh, so the army is going to grow and it's going to fluctuate and all that different stuff. And things are going to change. But it's going to be okay. Uh, because at the end of the day, we got the fucking best technology in the world. Even with our budget cut. We got the best technology in the world. We're doing fucking great. And um, the... Uh, things are getting fixed there's people that are actually trying to fix things there are a whole bunch of horrible shit in the army uh but it's just a different type of vanilla or it's a different type of ice cream because i mean at the end of the day i don't know what the vietnam era uh army looked like um right i can tell you there was at the end of it there was suicides but there was also the the end of fucking um world war ii there was a lot of people killing themselves uh wrong i think it's like i think it's like over 80 percent of fucking no, it's like over seventy-five percent of people in World War II didn't even see combat. Uh, yeah, it so, was, it's, people, it's like that, or they didn't, sh- or they shot their weapon. They didn't shoot their weapon, or they shot purposefully uh, uh, over the enemy's head because they were uh, they were not trying to kill somebody, man. No, most people didn't even see combat yeah. because it's like we're the army runs as maneuver. The U.S. Army is a maneuver element. That yeah. we, we run by maneuvers yeah. and we run by logistics. And I, I, we had this conversation on this last podcast. So like most of them were logistics. And I mean, that's pretty funny when you think about how many Vietnam or World War II veterans when you were younger were like had great war stories. How many of them were lying? You think? I didn't, I didn't talk to my pop-up about war until like he was on his deathbed before he told us about war. All yeah. we knew is he'd cry during Saving Private Ryan. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So, but then I remember a bunch of World War II veterans saying about like, they did this and this and this. It's like, I wonder how many of them were lying. But either way, you know, people are going to kill themselves. They're like, it is crazy that as many uh, families that we have are on food stamps. I feel like we could bump that up a little bit more uh, and pays uh, with infl- or inflation and shit. We'd fix that. The sexual harassment side of the house. And that's that's a hard one too because it's also a direct reflection to our 
like what the world that we're living in is we don't have enough strong male role models that are both teaching men to fucking not do shitty things as well as teaching women to how to like, you know, handle shitty things because like people want to say, I mean, yeah, men are the issue because men are the ones perpetrating it. But at the same time though, it's not men, it's shitty people. Yeah. It's not like, it's, it's like saying women are crazy or no, it's fucking crazy people. There's not like it's, we have, we have issues with raising kids and we're 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 eventually going to fix that but until we can fix that we're just going to have to have more fucking mrt people like yeah. master resiliency trainers uh that's me bro like <laughs> yeah i do I, that's me too man yeah. i uh i'm trying to get my doctorate in sports psychology just so i can be that guy yeah i want to i want i really you know i i have two sons you know and i have two daughters but uh the more i listen the more i hear things you know, you, you realize like I, I'm in a country area, so it's different, but you know, in those, those populated areas, it seems like not a lot of kids are getting that like physical male role model. And it's something that needs addressed. Like if somebody ain't kind of do like, um, Mike Glover does it, Tim Kennedy, there's a couple of dudes like knocking it out of the park that are like, you know what, we're going to take charge of this. And it's like, that's what oh, really has yeah. to happen now in, in communities. Like, you know what? Hey, no. I'll take charge. Let me, let me, let me see your kids for a little while. Let me teach them some shit. Let me show them what's going on in the world. Cause the, like you got to know some shit to get through this life as a, as a young man. And that's, yeah, a, that's like a big Wranglers, one. Wrangler star talks about it as a great struggle. And there's a bunch of like, there's stuff coming out now that's saying like in the thirties, we're going to, we're, we're going to have something that happens. That's going to be really bad for us. Yeah. So we, as like a whole army, Army, fucking uh, towns, communities, blocks, uh, small towns. Everyone needs to start figuring out their communities. And I like, I've heard a lot of, of, of an argument to like minority groups. And I'm, I'm going to be the white guy on my, my soapbox right now. We fucked up in the U.S., uh, especially with the black communities, because we fucking made it easier. I mean, everyone knows the statistics are already there. It's, I'm not saying anything new. And if you don't know about it, look it up. We made it very easy to be a single mother and get benefits while also introducing shitty amounts of or large amounts of drugs in fucking police states and communities, which kind of stripped all African-Americans of their fathers. And I mean, I grew up in like a shitty city area uh, for a part of my life and I never had a father and I fucking had to deal with a, a lot of shit uh, like or I mean, just, you know, being in different areas that you know uh, your average minority has to deal with because i mean think about like our our mutual friend he didn't have a father yeah like so it it's a real thing it's just it's not just a stereotype it's a statistic and and there's not a lot of fathers that were holding down areas and i've also heard of like a counter argument to that where urban communities uh do really well about creating community but i can tell you i've lived in the city for the last six years and if it wasn't for me my fucking block wouldn't know anybody on our block. And I like go around trying to ensure that everybody introduces each other. Why? Because people who know each other don't rob each other. Community That's matters, theory, man. man. Community yeah, matters. Uh, so if we're going to go into a great struggle, we got to really figure out this whole uh, people to rely on. Because once everything falls, I'm going to be fine uh, because I I love this. Like I'm, I'm a everybody get on the boat type of person. 
uh, because if, if we all get on the boat, the boat might tip. If the boat tips, I can do some tactical shit and hang out with my daughter. So I'm going to be fine. This is going to be a lot of fun for me. But it's not going to be a lot of fun for the people around me that are trying to find food and uh, are you know struggling. So that's when the communities are going to really, really be a big important. And I mean, even if that doesn't happen, you're just talking about how you have two sons and two daughters. Like that's that's a big thing. Like you gotta you gotta really you gotta raise them to be better people. And I think I said this in the last podcast. Uh, fucking uh, Mr. Universe. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't remember his name. But the guy who uh, won Mr. Universe said, like, oh, why wouldn't you want to have kids right now? Because we can raise them to be better people. Because better people influence uh, other people to be better people. Yeah, I so, used to, right? I used to be scared. I used to be so scared of having kids. You know, my first two, I was so scared. And you get yeah. older, I have my four, and I go, you know what? Like, everyone is so, not timid, but, like, I think everybody's worried about establishing themselves before having a child. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I want to have these kids, and I want them. Once you have a kid, and you know, Dylan, once you have a kid, nothing matters. Nothing matters except for the well-being of that child. Like, me, yeah. my personal endeavors, yes, they're they're important to me. But they are secondhand severely to the upbringing of my children to make them functioning well members of society that I want. Yeah, but that's a that's also a big issue that we have is you're you're thinking like that. And that's really good. But I I mean, I've dated people who don't like that. Really? And like, yeah, I'm, dude, I've, I've met a lot of people and maybe it's just in Washington State. But I've met a lot of people who don't think that way. To me, I'm like the moment you conceive your child. Like it's, it's game on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have shoes on. If your kid has needs clothes, take your clothes off, put, put them on your kid. But there's just not people that have that, man. Dude, I've had moments right? where, where it's, I have this certain amount of money and I either got to get, you know, some food or I'm getting formula and we're living on spam and hot dogs for a couple of days and yeah, I'll dude, be fine. I'm you. fine with that, man. I'm fine with that as long like, and I think me and you see, um, your kids, like you just want them to have a better upbringing. And I, that's probably a lot of people that we know. You want them to have a big upbringing of like strong household, strong family, um, not as much aggression and to have a salt, like just this solid foundation they can come home to. And yeah. that is like, that is the core man of like what I go for now. Yeah, brother, you're finding your purpose. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Like, hey, is, what is this podcast working for you? No. Are you, are you figuring no. it out? No, dude. No, man. I Look. just started it. I started it. It's like to figure out why I'm going to stay in. And now I'm like, well, I just re-enlisted. But, man, why yeah. did I do that? <laughs> yeah, the Army sucks. Yeah. yeah, I'm not the guy to convince you to stay in the Army, nor yeah. am I the guy that uh, convinced you to, to get in. I, I, I'm a hundred percent behind joining the military, maybe not under these administrations, uh, and these Congress, uh, cause it seems like they we're, we're catching them in lies a little too much, uh, but <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I, I've just, but for the whole family piece of the side of the house, I like, I don't know, man, I think there's, there's nothing more like my whole thing is masculinity, right? Without yeah. masculinity, like m- masculinity is equally as important to femininity and it, it shows. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of arguments statistically that show that masculinity is more important uh, than femininity. But in my eyes, if you don't have a strong mom, you have a serial killer. And if you don't have a strong dad, you have a dickhead. 
And I mean, that goes guys, girls, doesn't really matter. It's fucking, you don't have a strong dad. Uh, you, you, you ultimately either have a, a girl who's going to be kind of too all over the place or a guy is too all over the place. If you don't have a strong mom, then you don't have the compassion. You don't have the, like the, the nurturing that you need. And that's how we make fucking shitty people too. Uh, I, re- I remember, man. I I just remember. I'll go down a rabbit hole. I I remember my first time in the army. You know, I get to my unit and I'm with you and Barnett and a couple others. You know, I, we go on this run. It's my first day, and I'm 22. I fucked up in life. You know, I got in the army and I was just pushing for something better. And I remember we go on this run. We hauled ass. You were. I always know you remember it because we always bring it up. But we were hauling ass on this run. And you guys are just pushing me, pushing me. And I kept going, I puked and stuff. It was great. And, uh, but at the end of it, you know, on the weekends, you guys are like, you know, what are you doing? What do you got going on? And then, you know, during the week, hey, man, you should go for this shit. You should do this. And it was just so like, that's that. Um, I don't know if it's a dad thing, because I have a very, you haven't met him, but my dad is, um, um, I wouldn't call yeah, it's, it's, him, I wouldn't call him there favorite. all the time, but he was there, but it was just like, he had different perspectives to life about raising a child than I guess I do. Um, he raised me great. I love him, but you guys had that push and drive for the, the other side that it was just, you know, that's what I love to see is people that well, give bro- a shit. Well, I mean, I, I talked about this the last podcast. That's that's also that's why a tribe is so important. That's why your village is so important. Oh because yeah, you're not gonna get the same thing from your dad. Even if your dad was driving you, then he'd be he'd be pushing you too hard. You get that from the other people. That's why I personally try to get my daughter to be raised by as many fucking people as possible. Because she raised by me, man. She'd be an impatient asshole. Like there's just no getting around it. She would like be hustling yelling at Walmart to move Jumbo. faster. Yeah. Yeah. Jumbo. Uh, yeah. But the, the, but like, you know, if she can see like a other point of view, man, she'll, she'll get a little bit of learning from other people. And I, that's why I think the army is awesome for so many people because it, it creates that. Of course, there's a vacuum that when you get out that you, you like really need to fill because the moment you get out, you realize you're really fucking lonely because you don't have those group of people around you. Uh, but, I mean, it's, I think it's also very motivating. I remember that run. I remember your first run because the other guy was doing really, really shitty. He kept <laughs> whispering in your ear and he said, we're judging the fuck out of him. Yeah. We're also yeah. judging you. You're doing better, but if you quit now, you're just going to be like him. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, and it worked. Look at you now. You're, you're the old guy as a, as a drill sergeant, which is yeah. hilarious. I do the same thing now to private, so it's great. It's one hundred percent what I do now, so I love it. Man. Yeah, but I mean, and there's something fulfilling about that too. There's oh, something fulfilling about getting people to that next step, bro. You know what? I I realize here there's these great moments where I see soldiers like came back for these competitions, or they're going to be you know promoted soon. I love it, but the best is I've had about two or three soldiers where they were fucking pieces of shit when they came in. And I had to motivate them to do stuff, whether it was PT or get through tests or whatever. And, you know, I said shit to them that was maybe fucked up, but it got them through it. And they fucking excelled. And at the end, they thanked me, you know. And that's the greatest feeling in the world is to instill pride in someone that did not have pride before. 
that did not have motivation to get through their shit. It's the best feeling in the world. So that's Hell yeah. that's I, my takeaway. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. I I get a lot because I, I I work with the Sea Cadets every once in a while. I get a boss. My boss pays me to to go hang out with Sea Cadets. Oh, good. And uh, man, dude, it's so funny to hang out with high schoolers and treat them as if they were big adults. Yeah, like these little like middle schoolers that are going through panic attacks because mm-hmm. they like they're. I mean, they join the Sea Cadets. Of course, they're fucking nerds, and there I am screaming at them because they don't know how to yell properly. And they're having like a hyperventilating act, but like also understanding when to like back off and like what happens when the brain goes into lizard mode and is in a flight or flight mode, and you can't teach that anymore. So you need to get them to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah, you guys taught a- me. You, uh, our mutual friend that's across the fence now. A couple other guys. They, you know, James, um, fucking a couple guys. Man, they taught uh, Torres. They taught me really well of when to yell and how, what yelling means. Um, yeah. And it was, it, that's been instrumental here, man, because I see people all the time. They get drill sergeant hat on. They just want to scream, but it's all and then about. they just become that guy that you can turn down in your head because yep. you're like, it's that guy. He's yep. just, oh, he's yelling good. That's all or, the, that's all the privates say, dude. That's all the privates say. They say, you know, I don't respect that because all they do is scream all the time. It's like, no, but they know, like, I've at least built my reputation up. I haven't had a class in a while, so I'm just picking up tomorrow. But, like, I know when I yell, it has purpose. And I explained to the privates, I'm like, it, it takes a lot to piss me off. If I'm pissed off, I'm yelling because obviously there's no other way to get to you. So this is what's happening. Like, excuse me. Like you gotta, you gotta understand when people are trying to get through to you and you are not getting the picture in the army. Like people get pissed off cause they gotta get through to you and they're, they're going to make you understand through aggression and, um, aggression and, uh, what's it called? Um, um, uh, when you have like a lot of uh, pride for something, it's like I can't remember what it's called. Um, I, whatever. Uh, either way, man. Either way, it's just you're just trying to get it done. So, um, I find yeah. I, I find that important. You know, that's like one of my big big things. Yeah, I uh, I hear you, man. I hear you, and then it's like I don't know. It's I'm also in a world where I don't have to uh, baby people. And when I do have to baby people, it really kills me uh, because I like that. My the guys that I work with, I mean, I don't have I don't have anybody E five or E four or below uh, in my unit, and that's not how the, the EOD works as a whole. But for the most part, when you do meet an E three again, he can he at his at an E three level can brief a general like it's nothing. Uh, so I work with a little bit high quality of an individual. So I usually get hung up. I, or I, I even say this like it's something that I get hung up with being that I'm smart enough to understand what I'm seeing and what I'm talking to. I can make the adjustments accordingly. But being that I have noticed that it does upset me is dealing with people who need to be yelled at or yeah. need that extra, that extra push. Because to me, man, like if you're in front of me, you're already at the top of your game, brother. So like, it's you fuck if you fuck up and you don't feel bad worse than I do, there's something wrong. Yep, exactly. Head. Exactly. 
so like it's there's nothing I can do, man. And like I came into an army where you get the shit kicked out of like there was no hands on policy, but there was a hands on policy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I remember taking power from NCOs and them showing that's not the way. And the way they did that was physical. And I don't say that I needed that, uh, but that was like a reminder that, hey, I'm not the biggest fish. In the it, it was just <laughs> a world. different learning tool for us, man. There's tools now to do it. There's tools. Yeah. But I get what you're saying 100%. But I mean, like, and you're fucking remember fucking Moscoso. Uh, that guy beats his wife. Uh, yeah, dropping his bomb out there. I hope you listen to this. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, the uh, but if you try to fight Moscoso, you could beat Moscoso to a pulp. He would never learn anything. Never learn. Anything. But yeah, if you become friends people. with Moscoso, and you become you become a peer on peer, and then you tell him you're disappointed, he's that type of guy. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to. You would never be able to smoke shit out of Moscoso. Or beat the shit out of Moscoso. This is a young, fit dude. Yeah. And he, like, has a fighting background. So that's just not the tool that you're going to need to take to him. Yeah. And but a lot of times we did, we just, I don't know, the Army just doesn't do a great job. That's, like, the one good thing I do like about you guys being drill sergeants going to AIT, that at least you're equipped with a little more tools than, like, your normal AIT sergeant. But I think, you know, honestly, I man, I think, honestly, you take these tools back to the force. Not as a piece of shit, like crazy motherfucker, but I think you take them back to the force and you become like a better, just a better NCO. Like you know how to communicate to people, uh, you know what to like yeah. say and motivate. So that's all. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What I don't uh, know, we're living in a weird, weird army. It's a yeah, a it's a it's a weird time, man. What let's yeah. let's finish this out, man. What um, I always finish this out with what motivational movie you got for me because everybody's got a different one what what pumps you up i don't oh man i talked to somebody about this today so my like i have i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna make this a lot bigger of a conversation than okay. uh my my war movie and when i say my war movie when I, when I think somebody's war movie i think of it the way my grandfather looked the same private ryan yeah my war movie is 13 hours i do too uh, yes it, nobody said it yet Nobody said it that's, yes, that, dude. But that's not my pump. I mean, the first half of that's my pumped up war movie. But like the second half, when we fight, when they're, they're losing guys and shit, that's what gets me to my core. Yeah, that's like watching. The dude, when they're watch, wa- when they like, when those fucking dudes blow up at the end, when they blow up, yeah. and you're so fuck. If you read the book, it's a lot sadder too. That those dudes and the Delta dudes throw his body off the off the wall. Yeah, I like I like ah, it gets me because I like one. I know that community. That's my community. Yeah, uh, and two, ah, that's my war movie. That's like wearing shorts, fucking those dudes. Salt, those dudes were high speed motherfuckers, and they were just trying to save people. Like, there's nothing and, more raw than them. Just like they were like, uh, these guys are dying. Yeah. We need to go over there and fucking save them. People are like. At bureaucratic bullshit no we can't do it no we're going fucking over there we're saving them and nobody comes to help I, them yeah it I hits my it. anti-government vein yeah it, it hits everything yeah. my, my anti-government yeah so yeah fuck you so hillary that's, like, that's no. my yeah yeah that's my uh my, yeah make me stand in a fucking uh in a janitor's closet while i'm on a dip you dumb bitch uh but <laughs> they uh that's my war movie for my pump up movie though, yeah, you are a fast and furious guy. What? 
That's a what? No, that's not my. That's not. Wait, you you don't like the Fast and Furious? I hate movies? them all, dude. God, I hate them all. I see you don't like Family. God, <laughs> I, no, that wouldn't be my pump up movie either. Uh, I don't know, man. That's so hard because, like, I like pump up movie. Like, I really like Lone Survivor. Uh, that's, yeah. That's I. Uh, to be fair, actually, no. I would say American Sniper is my pump up movie. I watched that. I put oh, okay. that shit. It's American Sniper. Uh, a Star Wars Born and The Wizard of Oz. I put those on every single day really? for that deployment that you saw me on. Anytime I walk in the room, people be watching a movie, I turn that shit off, put on American Sniper. Yeah. Like, come back in, uh oh, Star Wars Born. We're going to watch all three of those movies <laughs> nonstop for nine months straight. Yeah. That, that are the best Die Hard. Die but- Hard 4. <laughs> Which one's Die Hard 4? Is that Live Free or Die Hard? Yeah, they go to oh, Russia. Oh, it's good. It's good, dude. That's a good one. That's, I like that no, one. No, it's not. Dude, I no, like that not. one. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I, I got that from my, my partner. He would, like, go and he'd work with the SF guys. And they, like, the one guy, and they were watching Die Hard. He's like, oh, is this that one they go to Russia? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, that's the, that's the best one. That's the best that's one. The one I, that's the only one I've ever seen. Not the best one. No. God, No. No, I and I I'm a Black Hawk do- down dude because I like I mean I've yeah it's Hoot, classic everything you know, Hood says it's classic yeah, yeah everything Hood says yeah I got a protect helmet now I mean you saw the picture I wear that protect bump helmet when yeah. I'm doing anything like G oh god just makes me feel like fuck cool guy yeah just want to be him one day but clearly they don't want me to be so. <laughs> <laughs> oh sadness uh but I mean it is what it is. I don't know. That's that's a hard question. I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah. Well, I like it, man. I, I, um, I don't know what my actual problem is. Dylan, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast um, again. Uh, you'll be back on shortly, dude. I love, you know, we love our talks. You said shortly because I have, I don't have a life, so I'm like the only person. No, dude. You. No, yeah. That's what it is, actually. <laughs> yeah, I got, like, it's like week, part three. Week. Yeah. Part seven. Part 14. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I, we can get people to shuffle in the Patreon, I actually I was talking to Lim. I, I dropped some messages with Lim. Uh, I was I was actually thinking he would just randomly jump on here too because I sent him your link. Oh uh, yeah, he has a bunch of things to discuss as well. So I mean, for your your bullshit conversations, we gotta yeah, we'll go down some rabbit holes. Let me let me try and we'll try to link up next week and get something going actually for it because I would love that man. I would love that. I love talking yeah. to Lim too. He's he's fun. Um, of course, of course. You, uh, you, me and my night brother. Uh, thank you for coming on. I hope, I hope you're doing well, and I hope this gets to everybody. Please like, link, and subscribe. Let you know, do whatever you need to. Um, please get the word out. Uh, thank you so much, Dylan. I will talk to you later. You guys have a good night. Okay. <laughs>